Hello and welcome to this edition of Conversations. I'm Noah Epstein. And I'm Richie Tobin. This week we're going to talk about the tragedy on the Rust film set, the new sci-fi film Dune, Quinnipiac men's hockey, and how cultural appropriation is portrayed during Halloween. But first, how's it going, Richie? I am doing mighty fine. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> mighty fine, yeah. I'm doing good too. It's it's it looks beautiful out today. It looks beautiful. Oh, it but does look. It'll trick you though, because it's it's pretty you windy. You can say look, but it's pretty freezing. I it's, was walking out there earlier and that wind is killer. It is, it really is. It's yeah. Starting out with a heavy subject. This past week Alec Baldwin accidentally shot and killed cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of the movie Rust. Baldwin described the incident as a tragic accident. Richie, what was your reaction when you heard about this? I mean, it definitely was a huge tragic accident. Anything with onset safety protocol things, really like any accident like that, especially thinking in the perspective of a filmmaker, like any misfire protocol thing like that is horrifying to think about. That's absolutely terrifying and tragic and definitely prayers and sympathies to go out to the family and everyone involved. As for actual onset safety protocols, though, like there definitely should not have been live ammunition in a prop gun. I mean, that's pretty well known. I feel like, I mean, I've even used little like prop BB guns before and it's always blanks. They just shoot out smoke. Like there should never be any live ammunition anywhere on set. And that's definitely a huge factor to this. Yeah, so the assistant director unintentionally handed Baldwin the gun and told him it was safe to use, but obviously it was loaded with live rounds and... This has prompted calls to improve regulation of firearms on movie sets or even ban them and replace them with computer-generated images. What do you think about that? Well, obviously, like, film technology has grown so much and even over the past 10 years has evolved crazy. So we're at a point now where they could. Like, they everything of that could be CGI. But I do understand the argument of, like, having actors actually needing to hold things and, like, be places. It does help increase performances and overall kind of cinematography. So I get it on both ends. It's kind of hard not to use things like that within your films. I mean, so many films have guns. It's hard to avoid in your movies. Fully eliminating something like that, I, I don't know. I mean, it's something I guess. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, stumbled there. but No, I always think about that, actually, when watching movies with guns. Like, I actually think about what if there's actually a bullet in there. Obviously, my mind then goes to, okay, no, they wouldn't do that. But I don't know. Every time... An actor pulls a trigger. I'm like, what if, like, that actually happened? And It is really scary. I mean, I'm pretty sure, was it, I want to say it was Bruce Lee's son? Yes, got, it was Bruce Lee's yeah. son, yeah. Um, which is, I mean, it has happened before tragedies in the past of people misfiring with prop guns, and that is a terrifying thought, that anything like that could happen on set while you're in, like, a safe environment doing your job. Like, that's terrible. But... I will say, as for the Rust set specifically, I, I know that behind the scenes they were plinking, which if you don't know what that is, it's basically using live bullets in your prop guns as target practice to shoot like cans and stuff for fun, which should never happen on a film set, I will say. Never happen on a film set. There should never be live ammunition going into prop guns. That's just never something that should happen. Although I totally think that that's in the wrong. I feel like the online community, like especially Twitter and everything, immediately attacked Alec Baldwin like bad and ripped into him in a way where like it just happened and it was a complete accident like he didn't know and so I feel really bad for Alec Baldwin I will say I feel like he's getting a lot of heat right now for an accident yeah I agree 100% and I'm not surprised at all that look he's 
he's had his past previous charges against him. So I'm not surprised at all that, you know, people on Twitter were saying what they were saying. But then again, it is Twitter, so there's always going to be, you know, crazy people on Twitter. But I do feel I do feel bad for him. It was clearly an accident, and it's just it's terrible. It's just a terrible situation all around. It is. It's really tragic. Yeah. On-set safety protocols, though, should, like, again, I will say plinking should never happen on set. I think that that's terrible that it was going on, and I think that that's definitely potential confusion of how live ammunition got in there. I mean, I know that nobody knows for sure, but the fact that that was going on on set just already proves that the safety protocols going on were not up to cue, and it just shows the, I don't know, I guess lack of care or responsibility going into the filmmaking of this. I can only imagine what it was like actually on set, like, I mean, before, of course. Now it's just a complete tragedy, and it's really sad to see things like this happen. Yeah, on the scene, uh, sheriff spokesman Juan Rio said Baldwin is a free man. The police said they don't rule out charges for Baldwin. So do you think he should be charged? Do you think he should go to jail? I don't know. Personally, I, from what I've read... I don't think that he should. He's an actor, and he just used the prop gun that he was given and did what he was told. I think that the people on set who are supposed to run their safety protocols, I think the director should be looked into. I think things like that of whoever was actually in charge of these prop weapons. Or, I mean, if he was plinking and Alec Baldwin was plinking, then maybe he should. Because then if he's the one that put the ammunition in the gun, like, then that's on him. But it all just depends on how it actually went down. And since we don't know and we weren't there, I can't really prove that fact. Sticking on the topic of movies, Dune was released in theaters and on HBO Max last weekend. I went to see it in theaters on Saturday. Dune is a sci-fi movie based on a book, and it was directed by Denis Villeneuve, who also directed Blade Runner 2049, Sicario, Arrival, and many more great films. Richie, I know you saw it as well. What do you think of Dune? I thought Dune was fantastic. That movie went hard. Even though it's only a part one, I can't wait for part two. October 2023 could not come soon (laughs) enough. I will say about Dune, it is most definitely a theater experience. Everyone's watching on HBO Max. I have to advise against it. Hans Zimmer's soundtrack for that blows up your theater. The sound is insane, and it's something that you need to sit there and watch. Sadly, when I actually went to theaters... I was so adamant, like, this needs to be a theater movie. I gotta see this in theaters. I go, and we get maybe, like, an hour, 30 minutes into the movie, and something happened, like, with the projector, and, like, red lines started coming through, and then they just cut it off, and I had to finish it on HBO Max. Oh, my God. Wait, what? Are you (laughs) serious? I was so adamant about it the whole time, and I was like, we gotta go see it in theaters. My friends were like, it's on HBO Max. Who even cares? I was like, come on. We gotta go. We get there. Red lines got sent back home. Which theater was this? <laughs> um, it was in New Haven. I think it's Bowtie something? Bowtie Cinema? Okay. Something like that. I went to the one in North Haven. I didn't um, even, I didn't hear about this. This is crazy. Yeah, I mean, it just completely <laughs> fell apart in the theater. It was like did you get a, funny did you get a, too. A, a yeah, we did get a, we got a refund for like a, any movie I want to go see again in theaters. <laughs> I just got a free movie ticket. So All that's right, pretty that's cool. Fair. That means next week I'm going to go see Last Night in Soho pretty much, but <laughs> that's a free ticket of that. <laughs> but, um, Wow, that's, oh my god, that's crazy. Uh, well, I was lucky enough to not have that happen have the in my full theater. Experience. I got the full theater experience. <laughs> I liked this movie. I didn't love it. I'm sure I didn't like it as much as you. A couple great performances that stood out to me in the movie, Rebecca Ferguson. She was great. So good. As uh, Timothy Chalamet's yes. mom. Uh, Josh Brolin as like the military guy, the tough guy. <laughs> I mean, it's Josh Brolin, so I expect that out of him, but he, he killed it. 
the the visuals were amazing as all the reviews said that the visuals were going to be great and you know all the shots of the sand were really really cool yeah the visuals are definitely on par with i would say we talked about blade runner 2049 a minute ago the cinematography in that by roger deakins is insane and the fact that this movie is able to match that blows my mind (laughs) (laughs) yeah um some other stuff with the visuals there was a lot well there was a lot of cool stuff that i really liked like i like the protective shields that everybody that had. was so cool yeah that was like blue and then if you penetrate <laughs> yep. it more it goes to red, red that, that, that was, was getting through yeah that uh, was really cool there I were so that. many cool moments with that shield thing too i thought that was just a really interesting take on kind of on-screen sci-fi fighting styles and yep i also thought that the like stylistic ships that they built the like kind of fly looking thing that he's flying around the whole time was so cool I thought that was an awesome ship I want one myself (laughs) (laughs) you know there were a lot of like ship designs that I've never seen before and it was a really creative movie even like with their costumes and everything Uh, I'm thinking of the part in like the first 10 minutes where all the it's like the other army kind of marches through and you kind of get to see the bad guys per se Mm -hmm. Their entire outfits are all just so unique, and their helmets are so cool, and everything. everyone's kind of wearing a different piece of sci-fi tech, and it was just such a grand scale. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, and another cool thing I really liked, the voice. Um, at first, I was like, uh, I don't know what I think. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like a Jedi mind trick yeah, kind of like thing. Force, it's, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> basically the Force. And then on the helicopter scene, yes. that was so cool. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then she was like, I don't like your pitch. Like, like <laughs> a typical mother to son thing to say. I, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, it, that was a really cool scene. I liked that a lot. It was very much like the Force, but I liked that they did the audio thing where, like, you didn't hear it and then it came in after through the air. Like, I thought that that was all really cool and creative way to portray that effect i thought that was awesome yep here's why i liked it and didn't love it there were some slow parts which i know i know i've gotten yelled at by by my brother for this because you know sicario i didn't love uh no country for old men i didn't love great movie yeah i know everyone (laughs) always says that i just didn't love it because you know when the tone is sometimes like the slower pace yeah slower pace to it i just i can't stay invested in the movie always uh so especially in the second half of the movie of, of dune there were just a lot of like slow parts uh where you know timothy chalamet was with rebecca ferguson like with his mom they were just you know out in the sand and there was a slow part stuff like that a whole lot of sand a whole lot of whole, worms a lot of yeah. sand a lot of worms yeah <laughs> which it looked really cool it looked really cool i'll give it that uh the hans zimmer score you mentioned uh, it wasn't, like, one of my favorite Hans Zimmer scores. But to be honest, was, I thought it, it might have been one of my favorites wow. of his ever. Really? Like, I mean, it's hard to beat, like, The Dark Knight or Inception. Three big names in soundtrack, and it's uh, John Williams, Hans Zimmer, and Ludwig Göransson. Do you know who that is? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean, The Mandalorian. Yep. He just did Tenet. He also has a cool start. He started with... Um, doing like Childish Gambino albums. He was like good friends with him and did like all of camp. He produced that, which I mean, evolving from that to doing things like Dunkirk and I, uh, sorry, not Dunkirk. What movie did I just say? Tenet, sorry, yeah, Tenet. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> doing things like Tenet really just shows how much he's evolved since then. The Mandalorian soundtrack, also amazing. Have that as my ringtone. But now I'm just getting obsessed over soundtracks. Let's loop it back to Dune. Yeah, very quickly, <laughs> John Williams is one of my favorite people on planet Earth ever. I just so. had to nerd out about soundtracks real quick. Yeah, no, I'm, we'll I'm, get back to Next Dune. episode, we can literally talk about scores and soundtracks <laughs> the entire episode or two. I could. <laughs> um, so, yeah, back to Dune. It sets up a lot for part two. And overall, yeah, I liked it. I did not go in thinking that I was going to love it, and I didn't. I, it was exactly how I thought I would. It, it's it's how I thought I would 
view the movie. And it sets up a lot for part two. And I'm going to go see it, and I bet I'm going to like it also. I will say one of the biggest critiques I've heard about the film is that Zendaya is, like, the main character of the trailers and then only in seven minutes of the actual movie, which is pretty wild. Like, she's just not in it at all. She, like, yeah, she's, <laughs> she's, she's portrayed in um, when Timothy... Ha- oh, my God, when Timothy Chalamet has his, like, little, little dreams yeah. about the future... And then she's actually in it for, like, what, five, ten minutes at the ah, end? Nothing. Like, yeah. she she barely pulls up. Which, I mean, I'm excited to see her more. She's a great actress. I want to see her more in Dune 2. She was a huge part of the promotion for this movie and then just not in it. But I will say, Timothy Chalamet, another actor that I think came out of nowhere, maybe since 2018. He was in, uh, what's it, Call Me By Your, My Name? Yeah. I mean, I never saw that, but I know he blew up from that movie. And now in... 2021. I mean, he is everywhere. His movie Dune came out last week. Next week, The French Dispatch comes out. He is all over the place right now. And I really like him. I thought he was a really good actor. Uh, This was one of the first, like, movies I was engrossed watching one of his. Like, I was really invested, and I thought he did a great job. I thought he was a really good actor. I've never really seen him to this extent before, so I yeah. thought it was really cool. I mean, cool. yeah, he was an interstellar, fun fact. I don't know if you knew that. He was. Yes, the, he was, um, yeah. what's his name? Well, that's <laughs> the, the one son. of the first things I've seen him in. But he's the, that's not as big of a role. No, this I is know. like the it's, first, yeah. like... No, I know. Yeah, yeah. Him in Interstellar is like a minor role, I guess. Very, I mean, the daughter minor. is definitely the most primary child in that. Um, yeah, <laughs> Interstellar is one of my favorite movies of all time. That is a great I'm one. Obsessed with it. Also Hans Zimmer. <laughs> another Hans Zimmer score, and it's another great score. <laughs> Off campus, we go to movies for fun, but on campus, a very popular event is going to hockey games. In-person sports are back here at the People's United Center at Quinnipiac, and that includes the men's ice hockey team, currently ranked fifth in the nation. Richie, I'm sure you've heard the buzz on campus about in-person hockey games being back. What's the impact this has on the students at QU? Oh, a whole lot. People are getting excited. All my friends are talking about going to the hockey games now. I mean, yeah, we just became number five on the, what is it, USCHO poll, and that's pretty crazy. I I know in 2019, we were ranked, like, number four, and so that's pretty cool. Like, we're kind of getting back up to where we were before post-COVID and everything, and I'm really hoping that we can just keep this. I want to go to some more games. So the Bobcats have had three home games so far, and, Richie, fans are showing up. Total attendance of 9,512 people which on average means the attendance is at 100% capacity uh, for the three home games so far. So, as you mentioned, a lot of a lot of a lot of students are very excited. It's the number one team for the school, men's ice hockey. And even if you don't like hockey, you still go to the games. Hockey's my fourth favorite sport, but I'm going to be there Saturday cheering on the team. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely don't know anything about hockey, <laughs> but I'll most definitely go and have fun. I mean, it's still <laughs> something to watch and something like, oh, look, they got a goal. Woo. <laughs> I, I don't really know what's going on, but <laughs> I, I like to watch. <laughs> uh, it, it had been 601 days without fans at the People's United Center before the home opener, and I really wish I could have been there. I, I couldn't have had another obligation, but it's it sounded electric. Yeah. Everyone Everyone was talking about it. They all do. They sound like crazy games. I'm trying to go to one soon. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe I'll be there this Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pull up. Yeah, we can sit together. We can, <laughs> we can talk about the next episode and how, <laughs> what we're going to talk about. And Hans Zimmer. Uh, Hans Zimmer, yes. Yeah, so I'll have a big Hans Zimmer conversation at the hockey game. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm so excited. Catch us at Quinnipiac Hockey Game this Saturday talking about Hans Zimmer in the corner. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Section, uh, section 322, pull up if you want to talk Hans Zimmer. <laughs> So this Saturday's hockey game is October 30th, and the day after that is Halloween. What are you being for Halloween? So for Halloween, I'm going to be an astronaut 
because I went to the Halloween store. It was called Spirit Halloween. Spirit shout Halloween. out, shout out yep. to them. <laughs> and Never first, heard of, of it. first of all, first of all, <laughs> I walked in the store, and let me tell you, Richie, this is literally like a haunted house. <laughs> I walk in the store, and this thing, this this skeleton jumps out at me. My friend Brendan and I, we were like, we both jumped back and like held each other because <laughs> we were so scared of it. But it's okay. It's okay. It's still a great store. Shout out Spirit Halloween. <laughs> I saw an astronaut costume. And have you seen Greatest Showman? Yes. Okay, so I saw the hat from Gr- The Greatest Showman. Okay. So I, I put that on my head, and then I put on the space glasses that they had, and I was like, hmm, you know, this might not I make any sense. I was about to say, that sounds like Willy Wonka. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, maybe a little. <laughs> this, this, okay, this, this might not make any sense, but Richie, oh, Richie, let me tell you, it's going to look so cool Saturday night. What is it? <laughs> It's a it's a space it's, a spa- it's an astronaut. It's an astronaut with the top hat. Yeah, that's what it that's is. That's a vibe. All right, and then it's, so you it's said a, the glasses too. It's though. a greatest showman astronaut. <laughs> it's an astronaut with the glasses and a top hat. That's yeah, that's what it is. That's that's a great costume. And people might be haters, <laughs> but it's gonna look great. No, you'll just have to explain it to everyone though. <laughs> I yeah. You have yeah. to be like, well, I'm half greatest showman. Yeah, I've, you I've know? had to 50% explain it. Fifty percent Hugh Jackman, fifty percent space astronaut. <laughs> I've you know? had to explain it to a fair share of people. And, you know what? They might not like it, but I like it, so that's all that matters. No, I mean, The Greatest Showman's already a great movie, and, you know, adding that with space, how could you get better? Another great soundtrack. <laughs> Another true, great soundtrack. Now, it might not be Hans Zimmer, but it's still a great soundtrack. It is. <laughs> Hugh Jackman, he got them pipes. All right, he, he really he does. He can sing. <laughs> what, are you, uh, what are you going for Halloween? I'm going, uh, me and my roommates are going to the Ghostbusters this year. Ooh, that's cool. <laughs> so we have the whole on, like, outfits. I was wearing it yesterday, too. I went to a Halloween party, and I, like, the backpacks for it are inflatable. So I had to, like, blow up this huge thing. And then I wasn't thinking about it, but then I'm, like, wearing this giant backpack thing at a party, and it's, like, pushing through. Like, it's just this massive, like, thing I'm carrying around. So kind of terrible. I don't think I'll wear the backpack again. But, yeah, and without it, I just kind of look like a janitor. I don't look like a Ghostbuster. So, you know, it's a, it's a, I'm not sure what to do. Well, you know what? It's, it's a better situation than I'm in, but I, I, still, I still like my situation at least. <laughs> Sticking with the same topic of Halloween, Derek Hernandez is the community outreach chair for the Multicultural Student Leadership Council, and he joins us now to talk about cultural appropriation during Halloween. Derek, how did you get involved in the Multicultural Student Leadership Council? Oh, man, it was a multitude of things, right? Coming in to Quinnipiac, I'll be honest, I wasn't accustomed to the university, wasn't accustomed to, like, being in an environment with a lot of people that didn't look like me or, you know, that I felt connected to. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, so it speaks to, you know, that whole melting pot. You know, we grew up with people that were different all the time, so it was. I felt like coming here, it was kind of the same type of people around each other, and I felt a little isolated, but... Um, my involvement in MSLC came along when I realized like I need to advance what it means to be a student of color on campus, right? I need to continue to advance the agenda and uh, making sure that students' voices are heard and not just students of color, all students, right? Students' voices are heard. Students can, you know, find that place for themselves. And I thought that was my way in, you know, working with the multicultural groups on campus and making sure our community is strong and uh, connecting out and reaching out to other communities on campus to support us and vice versa. And so how long have you been involved for? Was that uh, your freshman year? So I actually didn't get on the council until this year, but I was a general member since my freshman year, and I was just like around all the time, always doing different things and part of different clubs. And how has that club evolved since? Like, how have you gone from watching it as a freshman to now actually being involved and in the part? 
So from my first year until my third year now, I think a lot of it was really the way in which the organization was structured, right? We, we made some position changes. Uh, community outreach chair was not a position until this year. And also their relationships. I think they took the first two years that I was here that I wasn't like super involved with MSLC to make a relationship with SGA. And that SGA relationship correlates to a lot of the work we do now and a lot of the work we do with our broader community now uh we're we're just continuing to grow and make those connections and relationships all right well rolling right into continuing on halloween a lot of the different costumes and everything that people wear i mean obviously i feel like there is a lot of cultural appropriation within people's costumes but there's also cultural appreciation in people's costumes so i wanted to talk to you about kind of the difference between the two and how you see different people's kind of costumes and i mean i wanted to get your own opinion on it yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And there's a fine line between appropriation and appreciation, right? It's a really fine line. I feel like it's easy to get crossed. I'll be honest. I didn't know much about it, right? But I had to do my research when I got to school and when I talked to, like, professional staff, and they were like, some of the things are questionable when it comes to costumes and, like, you know, people dressing up sometimes, putting on blackface, or, like, having, like, a cowboy and indian theme party, or I think there was something on Instagram or TikTok, like, a year or two ago, like, it was, like, a Mexican party or something, and people, people like, dressed up and put on, like, big hats and uh, fake mustaches and stuff, and it, it's, it's not bad when you're appreciating the culture and you're trying to understand the group of people, but where people cross the line is when they're, you know, using those like religious objects or like putting on blackface, doing something real questionable that's out of the ordinary. And people are like, whoa, like what is going on now? So what would cultural appreciation be as opposed to appropriation? You said there's a, that fine line. So what would what would be the appreciation side of that line? Yeah, so um, the appreciation side of that line for me is like being able to respect the culture while also being able to display it, right? So if you want to be Travis Scott or something for Halloween, there's a lot you can do without disrespecting the name and the culture. Like, you don't have to throw on blackface. You don't have to put box braids in your head if, if that's not your thing. There's a lot of things you can do. I think that's that's where, like, the line gets crossed and the, it's kind of blurred sometimes for people. Now, what experiences have you personally had seeing or hearing about people portraying cultural appropriation during Halloween? I'll be honest, I don't dress up a lot and I don't really go out, but I do hear a lot of stories. Uh, I talk to a lot of people and they, they always tell me about the kids that go to Toads and the kids that go, go to like clubs on the weekends and they're in like, you know, a pimp outfit with a, with a cane and, you know, some crazy stuff. And that's, that's where I, I just kind of laugh sometimes. I'm just like, yeah, it's, it happens, but we can't change the world in a day. Now, what would you say to someone who says they wear the costume of someone else's race, ethnicity, or culture just for fun and, you know, in a non-offensive way? Well, you have to ask yourself, right? And you have, to, you have to challenge those people as well. You have to ask yourself and challenge those people that, you know, is what they're doing appropriate, right? I feel like that's the biggest question. Like, is it appropriate? Does it matter so that, to that group of people? Did you get approval, like, within that community? Are you welcomed? You know, you have to ask yourself all these questions. I can't just walk into a room and, you know, say I'm an ally to somebody, say that I'm, you know, this or that, unless I have approval from that group of people. I feel like that's a really important aspect. 
Uh, so you mentioned blackface a moment ago, and I want to ask you more about other versions of cultural appropriation and what you've seen beyond just that. Yeah, the other thing I've seen is like when people dress up like priests sometimes or like religious beliefs, you know, they'll, they'll disrespect the cross or something like that. Wow. that that's another big no-no. It's just disrespectful overall. Yeah, I've definitely seen a ton of religious outfits. That's like a very common one. I feel like I always see like a million like a Jesus or something like running around. Nuns Pope and stuff, nuns right? And stuff. Like, I feel like that's all really common. Uh, I, I feel like also you mentioned the uh, the Mexican party earlier. I feel like oh. that's like def- I see that so often. Yeah, and that, like the that's theme parties. Yeah, the um, theme parties like that are definitely bad. It, it, like again, there's a fine line, right? Like you could appreciate the culture, yeah. like, listen to the music, drink some tequila. Like. There's definitely a fine line there, but there, that's a push. <laughs> <like> that. <laughs> yeah. So is there a way that you could have a Mexican theme party without it being appropriation and with it being appreciation? I mean, for sure, right? It's it's your level of education and your respect. I think everything comes down to respect. If people are able to find a way to learn about the culture and not have people, you know, dress up as a, a certain person or a group of people, for that matter, without disrespecting them, you know, you don't have to dress up, quote unquote, like a Mexican person to be appreciating the culture. You know, you could do everything else in its place, like maybe you can have some tacos, you know, Taco Tuesday, that's always a good time. Um, you know, maybe drink a signature drink and, you know, just learn about the culture, watch a movie, something like that. So just making sure that you're you're being respectful of other people's um, boundaries. Generally, like what advice would you give to people going out and dressing up this Halloween? Like what would you say? Oh man, there was an email about that, right? <laughs> it's above my pay grade. <laughs> But um, I I would say definitely make sure you're you're appreciating everything and everyone's culture and respecting people's boundaries. Like I can't tell people like what to do and what not to do. Not my place at all. But you know, just just be respectful. I, I feel like that's the biggest thing. Be respectful. Be safe. Um, watch out for your friends. Watch out for yourself. Uh, just be smart. Well, thanks so much, Derek, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Take care. That'll do it for this edition of Conversations. Special thanks to Derek Hernandez for joining us to talk about his involvement in MSLC and cultural appropriation. Yes, thank you all for listening and have yourselves a spooky Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) We'll catch you next time.